Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Lewis and Kyle show. Usually there are two of us, Lewis and Kyle, but this episode is just me. I sit down and interview my grandma, Rita Singer, about her life and career story. She's done a lot of interesting things throughout her many decades on this planet. She has been an entrepreneur. She's been a college professor. She's been a teacher. And in retirement, she became an actress. And that's only telling you a couple of the various things that she's been involved with. I'm excited for you to listen to this sit down with my grandma at her house in Florida. And I hope you have as much fun listening to this as we did making it. Switch to it now. Grandma, I'm excited to do this podcast. Are you excited? Very excited. It's kind of the most exciting thing I've done in maybe my whole life. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but uh, we're just going to go chronological as best I can. So welcome to, this isn't the Lewis and Kyle show because Kyle's not here. So this is just the Lewis show, the Lewis show today. That works. Uh, we'll start chronologically. Why did you go from Miami to UCLA? And then why did you go back from UCLA to Miami? Well, so you're born and raised in Miami. Why did you decide to move all the way to California for a year of school or whatever it was? My parents shipped me there. Oh, you're with sick. everything that I had um, in a big, like a steamer trunk, because I was 16 when I graduated from high school and um, I was planning to get married. And they did not think that was a good idea. They wanted me to have a college education. So they packed everything I had and they shipped me to my aunt in California so that I could go to UCLA and get a good education, which was a great idea. I was kind of a wild kid. So the reason I came back to the University of Miami is that I fell in love out there. <laughs> and he followed me back because he wanted to marry me. I am still in touch with him, by the way. He lives in California and he's a great guy. Um, I had a job at the Los Angeles Times at the, and uh, he, was, he worked for the Los Angeles Times and that's how we met. And I was in love and um, when he followed me back and I saw him in my environment, I decided that probably my parents were right and I shouldn't marry him and I should finish school. So that's what I did. And what did you get your degree in at Miami? I got my, I got a BA in American civilization with a minor in psychology. So that history? Yes. Uh, American history, civilization, and a minor in psychology and a minor in Spanish. I do, I do speak Spanish fluently. At least that. You lived in Miami, so I mean. Well, I mean, I was wasn't a requirement. No. Yes. But it certainly would have been helpful. Yes, very helpful. So at what point did you become a teacher? Well, when I graduated from the University of Miami, I um, interned the year before I graduated and I was hired to teach the class that I had interned for. It was eighth grade English at Kenlock Park Junior High School. And it was um, very exciting. I taught there the whole year uh, until I left because I was pregnant with, well, actually I finished the year out. I was pregnant with my first child, Lorena, uh, your aunt. Correct. And, um, and then I, uh, I stopped for a while. Stop being a teacher. Well, I didn't stop being a teacher because of after I had my third child, which was Todd, your uncle. Um, I don't remember how old he was exactly, but I did go back and teach one more year in the public school system. Um, and it was sixth grade and it was an all black school. And I was one of a few white teachers and I had all sixth grade black boys. 
and I loved it too. I enjoyed it. However, I had a principal who was old school. He had been, I think, a captain or uh, in the uh, Navy, and he ran a very tight ship. So his idea of treating his teachers was to stand in the stand in the teacher's room and check your name off with a red check mark if you had signed in on time. And being the rebel that I have always been, I refused to sign in until after the time that we were supposed to be there. Even if I were a half hour early, I just wouldn't do it. And I told him at the time that, you know, I was an adult and I was my own worst critic. I didn't need anybody looking over my shoulder and telling me to sign in on time. And I just refused to do it. So that was not because he said so, but because I knew that it wasn't going to work out. I decided this was my last year of teaching in a public school. And so I went back to college and I got a master's degree. Took me seven years. I had all four children during that time. And I, when I went to my graduation, I had your mother in my arms. She was the youngest and she was there at my graduation. Why did you decide to get a master's degree? Because, what was the point of that? Because I decided that I wanted to teach on the college level. Mm. And I taught at the University of Miami for 10 years and also at Miami Day Junior College. I taught English as a second language and I taught adv advanced business communications and I taught writing at the college. And I enjoyed that a lot too. Mm -hmm. I really did. However, oh, and one of the things that I'm proudest of is that I actually still hear for some, from some of my students. Every semester I had um, parties, international parties, usually had students from at least 64 countries. And they would all come to my house, some of them in their native dress, and they would take over my kitchen and cook their native food. And we had music and we had a wonderful time. And my kids grew up with that. In addition, I had Jewish students, one in particular who I was in touch with until he passed away. He was a Russian immigrant, a refusenik. He, had, mm -hmm. he was a scientist in Russia. And when he asked to immigrate to the United States, they took his job away and he had to wait many years before he could come. And um, he and some Iranian Jewish students came to our house for things like Passover mm -hmm. Seder and so on. So the kids got to really enjoy that also. Um, Arkad 11, that's what his name was, he, the Russian. He had a whole new life. He went to the, he, after he learned English, uh, he went to New York and he became um, an administrator in, um, one of the, uh, I think on Long Island, one of the cities on Long Island in a long career. And when I went to New York one night, um, I came out of the theater and he was standing in the rain with a dozen red roses. And he was always in touch, always. He never forgot one birthday, one anniversary, one holiday ever for his whole life. He actually retired down in South Florida. Okay. Yeah. And my Iranian students, who I was crazy about also, the kids still joke about it. When we had them for Passover Seder, they were so careful to read everything in the Haggadah mm -hmm. that they even read the part that said participant. 
we all had a good laugh out of that. And they'll still remember. Oh, Ask sure your mother. <laughs> I think she still makes that joke. <laughs> so then at a certain point, you stopping a college teacher. Yes, because I knew there was something more. Because even though I had a freer reign in college mm -hmm. than I did in the public, high, public school, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. It's funny because in high school, one of the when clubs, you were high school, when I was in high okay, school, not teaching high school, not no, when I was in high school, one of the clubs I belonged to was Future Business Leaders of America, FBLA, mm -hmm. and I never thought that I really was going to. I don't know why, but I did, and then I ended up doing exactly that. You said that your parents programmed you differently. That's right, my parents were from the old school and they programmed me and my sister to be a teacher and a nurse, which we became, and to marry a doctor and a lawyer, which we did. <laughs> we followed the program exactly. So I never thought about really being an entrepreneur, but I knew there was something else, even though I was happy at the university. So I enrolled in a course. It was a, um, a um, career counseling course. And it was 10 weeks. And we, it's something like, what color is your parachute? The kind of thing that you mm -hmm. learn, what you want to be when you grow up kind of thing. Well, in the eighth week of the 10 week course, I had an aha. And I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And that was to be a career, corporate career communication specialist, whatever that meant. I fleshed it out as mm -hmm. it went along. And interestingly enough, a couple of years before that, two very successful women, who I should have said yes to at the time, but I wasn't ready, invited me to join them in a marketing and public relations company that became one of the biggest, most successful ones in the country. So I'm really, in a way, I'm not sorry I didn't because I wasn't ready to leave my kids, but woulda, coulda, shoulda. They had offices in Atlanta and in New York and so on and so forth. And they also gave me a little boost in my mm -hmm. business. Um, they were older than I was, but they really made a success out of themselves. Anyway, Tim, I got that aha and I knew what I wanted to do. Then I needed to find someone to help me do it. Yeah. And I did. I reached out to friends and so on and so forth and talked about what I wanted to create. And I found the perfect partner. Where did you find this partner? She was a friend. Okay. We used to walk together. She was a neighbor and she had similar background to mine. And um, matter of fact, I went to high school with her brother and I dated him a little bit. <laughs> and we were both married to attorneys. Okay. So, and she and I, do you want me to mention her name? I mean, you can. Uh, her name was Marilyn Shapo and we became partners it was called Lewison and Chapo, and um, and that was the beginning. So I have a question. Yes. Walking back a few steps, what is this? Is that still a thing people do? Career counseling courses for ten weeks. What do you, they do for ten weeks to help you find out? Is that what you want to be when you grow up? But mm -hmm. but when they do I say as when an adult, you, yeah, you're already. You, I was an adult, but mm -hmm. you could do it at any time. I mean, you you have. In, in high school, they have counselors yeah. that 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 suggest colleges that you mm -hmm. might be it might be a, a match, and they also have these. I believe the of the rage at the time. This was this book. What color is your parachute? Have okay. you heard it? 
no. of it. Well, it's a book where you you read it and step by step you fill out things, what makes you happy, what mm -hmm. you're good at, and so on. I, I became one of the many things I did in my corporate communications company. I was a public speaker mm -hmm. and I was a motivational speaker. And one of the major things that I talked about was find out what you love to do mm -hmm. and do it because you'll never work a day in your life. You'll be happy and you'll get picked for it. And what could be better than that? You know, I read um, The Rose, Walden Pond. Mm -hmm where he said that the mass of humanity lives lives of quiet desperation. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I can never do that. Uh, this, if you find what you're happy and you figure out how to get paid for it, it's the secret to happiness in life. And I've had a very happy life. That's good. Yeah. Well, now let's talk about the figuring out how to get paid for it. So you decided in, in week eight of this course, that, to yeah. become a communication strategist for corporations. Yes. You found a partner. Yes. How do you find your first client? That's a good question. I don't remember which one was my first client, but I do remember how I found clients. I went out there and beat the book. Well, I got a lot of publicity. First of all, I got publicity. From what? On the newspapers and magazines and so on, because don't forget the angle was two attorneys' wives, <laughs> and they were prominent, well-known attorneys, That's true. Yeah. were forming this company, and so on and so forth. So people had heard about it. They had read about it. It wasn't completely cold. And um, when we approached them, you know, I just, it's funny how I just don't remember. I mean, we built a reputation because everybody that we worked with seemed to be very satisfied. But I remember particularly um, with Bacardi Rum, the president of Bacardi Rum was recommended to us by these friends of mine, Bieber and Silverstein, who had that- um, started the successful firm they almost joined. Yes. Exactly, exactly. They suggested that maybe I could help him with his speech making. And writing the speeches for him. Writing the speeches for him. Helping him rehearse them. Yes. So, um, and on the strength of their recommendation, I made an appointment with him and um, he seemed very interested and very nice. But at, by, after 20 minutes, he said, thank you very much. And he started to walk me to the door. And I knew right then and there instinctively that if I walked out the door, I'd never hear from him again. So I said, and by the way, are you planning to make any speeches in the near future? He said, as a matter of fact, I'm working on one. I said, would you mind showing it to me? He said, not at all. So as we stood at the door to his office, as he was ushering me out, I stood with it. I took out a pen and I started looking at the speech and I started making suggestions as to, as to how it could be better. And after about 10 minutes of doing that, he invited me back in and we sat down and we started working on it. And that was how I got him. I mean, I remember another another time was uh, this was a home health care agency, a big one. Phone call. I just called him on the phone, and I said, "Who um, did you call?" The president. How oh, did you get his number? Uh, well, I got the number, and I, 
you you have to make friends with the gatekeepers. Yes. <laughs> and that's what I did, you know, and and I was able to talk directly to him. So you just found a secretary or? Yes, exactly, okay. exactly. And I'm trying to remember the other one. Exxon Corporation was a very big client of mine. And so was Visa International mm -hmm. and United Way. These are one of, some of the biggest. And we even had, uh, I had the mayor of Miami Beach. I had, um, I had, um, uh, commissioners. I had people running for all kinds of offices. I don't remember how I got each one of them, but a lot of them were referred by other people. So I guess we built a reputation, and um, the bread and butter of our of our of our business was writing people's resumes. Okay. And coaching them on how to go for a job interview and how to get further in their how career, their, how to further their career, how to put their best foot forward that led to courses and how to how to uh, impress your jury, which we did for many big law firms. Um, and as a matter of fact, we were certified to uh, for continuing education, law firms and law lawyers and um, and CPAs have to take a certain number of them uh, uh, every 10 years in order to keep up. And we were certified to teach them. And we did. Big law firms. And um, I'm just trying to think of what else. Uh, so, and then we did proposals. People had proposals. For example, they wanted uh, uh, grant money. Mm -hmm. And so we did that. I did a lot of editing. Edited full. You also did some ghostwriting, right? Ghostwriting, a lot of ghostwriting, magazine articles. Uh, we had a, a number of geophysicists that worked for Exxon Corporation. And when I did ghostwriting for them, they were going to have to make a speech, for example, to lay people and make them understand what they were doing. And I would say, you're talking way above my head. I can't understand you. And if I don't understand you, your audience won't understand you. So let's break it down so that I understand it and I can give it back to you. And that's what we're well, we're going to have to get you to sit down with a Bitcoin person eventually. Yes, you think? So that, that they, they can explain to me <laughs> because I don't yet understand it. But you're doing a very good job of explaining it oh, so far. We're not there yet, though. <laughs> I know. There's a lot of, uh, just like geophysics, there's a lot of background knowledge and to build up, but we're getting there. Oh, that's good. That's good. So another thing you did was improve people's or part of helping them advance their career was improving their professionalism. Yes. What were some of the things involved in like making someone more professional? Well, it had to do with everything. Eventually I, we hired other people. I okay. had an, I had an image consultant on staff and between her and me, we picked up, we helped them restyle their hair if necessary. I mean, you, you wouldn't believe there's some people had bangs that covered their eyes. Well, <laughs> the most important thing, two of the most important things that people need to learn, and you would be amazed at how many people don't know this, is how to make eye contact with other people. And the other is the handshake. Mm -hmm. It's gotta be a really, really strong handshake. It has to go right like a connection all the way to the brain it's a, it's a it works like magic if you get somebody with a limp handshake yeah. forget about it just forget about it so it was that and even picking out the clothes that they, people even picking out the clothes that they wore i did one seminar for a um 
law firm was with how to get new clients. You take um, someone out to, to lunch, for example, and you have a table set. You, you remember that you have solids on the left, liquids on the right. So your, your drink is on your right. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes people don't know which one yep. is their glass and your fork is on your left to eat your salad, for example, that kind of thing. You would be amazed that how many people do not know the basics of things like that. And in my day, it was very important. I don't know if it still is, but I think it is. I think it always will be. It certainly never hurts to have that information. No, no, it doesn't. So how did you decide to, how did you do pricing? Like determine what to charge someone? That's your interesting. Services. I sort of kind of made it up as I went along. And I, because, for example, <laughs> I learned a lesson, a one lesson I'll never forget. A doctor wrote a book on alopecia, okay. which is male pattern baldness. And he showed it to me and he said he wanted it edited. And I looked at it and it, I don't know. I priced it so low that I think I made five cents an hour. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, it was hit or miss because I did not have a uh, an MBA. I did not have a business background and I kind of made it up as I went along. But eventually we got to the point where we were having pretty hefty prices. We made between $150 and $200 an hour and for seminars anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000. And this is 30, 40 years ago? many years ago is it? Well, my gosh. Uh, graduated from high school in 1956, from college in 1960. I got my master's in 69, and I taught uh, at the university for 10 years before I started. in the 80s. So, the yeah, I started my company in 79, so okay. through the 80s and beyond. Yes, exactly. And that's so pretty good money. So it was pretty good money. It was good money. And um, yeah, we did very well. Okay. Yeah. So one other question about this is how did you improve someone's public speaking? Well, how did you make someone a better public speaker? Well, for one thing, I had a lot of Latin American speakers and mm -hmm. I wrote a book for Exxon Corporation on language proficiency levels and how to, how to rate them and where to start and how to go from there. So a lot of it was accent, their, their accents, working on that. A lot of it was writing the speech so that they felt comfortable you know, delivering it. And then it was rehearsing it and I would, I would tape them and then we would play it back. And I'd say, oh, you see right here, that was pretty good. You emphasized it and you stressed what you wanted to get across. Over here, you were saying, mm, and er, and mm. And that's not really a really good thing to do. The best thing is to pause, take a breath, and start again. And that was how I coached them until they felt confident so that they could, um, and I just said, oh, they could deliver an effective speech. But I have one story that I think I you might like, and that okay. was when I was teaching. Let's hear it. It was the, um, the new president of the Florida International Bankers Association. And he had a lot of interesting information. We wrote his speech together and I kept 
deleting things from the speech and he kept adding them back in. And I kept saying that you have to respect the three B's of a good speech, be brief, be witty and be gone. Okay. And he said, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. I'll, I'll go with what you gave me. Well, it happened to be that we were invited to sit at the head table that night when he delivered that speech. And I will never, ever forget it because he did the speech perfectly. And then he came to the end and he said, I had a speech coach and she taught me to be brief, be witty and be gone. Now I expected him to segue into the end instead of which he spoke another 10 or 15 minutes while I wanted to crawl under the table from embarrassment. <laughs> So that's a very cool piece <laughs> of your, you know, many lives. Uh, let's switch now to the magazine you started. How did that come about? Why did you decide to hang up the towel on the communications consultant and have one more entire different phase? Well, don't one more because I have another yes, one now. Sure. Okay. Yes. But yeah, I've reinvented myself a number of times. Clearly. Yes, clearly. So I was moving out of my, I had had, um, a death in my family, and I was very sad, and I was ready to move on. I needed to move out of Miami, and I would, it was at a point where I was finding it difficult concentrating, and so I sold. I, I, I didn't say, but I had that first partner for 10 years, then I went on my own for a while, and then I had a second partner. I sold my interest in the business to my second partner, and I signed a non-compete agreement and we moved to Pembroke Pines. So- um, Is that North Miami or is that? No, it's in Broward County. Where's that? It's uh, on a parallel with um, Plantation, Weston, um, like almost like Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Only it's far west. Okay. It's west, Fort Lauderdale is east. So we moved there and I wasn't ready to retire. I, I was kind of, I needed a break. But once I got acclimated there and I decided I liked it and so on, I knew that I was too young to retire and I didn't want to retire. And I had a new idea. Okay. And, and I got the idea when I went to a homeowner's meeting at, um, at, in the development where we lived. And the president of the homeowner's meeting was very impressive. I really liked him. So I went over to him at the end of the meeting and I said, you don't know me yet. And I'm Rita Singer, and uh, you and I are going to be partners in the new in the new enterprise. He said, "Really?" <laughs> and that's how we started. We started what I would call a newsletter, not a magazine, for a hundred uh, for a thousand homes in our development. And it was very crude, and, and it was stapled, and it was it was well done. It had a lot of good news in it, but and we were a mom and pop um, operation. I did all the um, sales and marketing, and all the editing, and he did all the technical stuff on the computer because I wasn't very computer literate. And together we built this uh, business, which we called it was called the Palms at the time from a thousand homes to 56,000 homes in um, all of Western Broward. And we, we called it uh, Expressions News Magazine of Southwest Broward. And it was color, glossy, beautiful. I was very, very proud of it. 
And we still had that same division. And by the way, while he was my partner in that venture, he was also the second person in command at the Miami International Airport. So he's quite a guy and we mm -hmm. still are in touch and uh, I like and respect him very much. We did very, very well together. And in um, 2007, I think it was, or what's it, 2009, when we had the downturn in the economy, mm -hmm people couldn't advertise anymore. They, they uh, were running out of money and we couldn't pay for the magazine to go and we had to go out of business. It was very sad to me, very sad, but you know, it was the next, the yeah. next phase. And so um, when I moved to uh, Ocala, I said, I, I thought I was gonna continue the magazine, but as it turned out, it, it, it didn't work out. So I taught at the college for a semester. I taught writing. I enjoyed it very much. But then they said, I want to hire you full time. And I said, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm kind of sort of retired and I only want to teach one course. They said, well, then you can teach nights and weekends. And I said, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. So that was the end of that. But there was something that I have always wanted to do. And I started doing it down there. And it's really just another aspect of public speaking. And that's acting. When I was a little girl, my parents called me Sarah Bernhardt. Is that? She was a great actress. Okay. Way, way before my time, their time. A great actress. Um, I always had a flair for the dramatic. That's one I reason. Well, I as a young woman, I did modeling and I taught ballroom dancing, mm -hmm. uh, all of which are you know you're up, you're on stage kind of sort of. And so, and then when I in Pembroke Pines, I also did some community theater and I liked it a lot. So when I came up here, well, the first thing I did was I started a group called Culture Vulture. And we're just outside of Orlando for people who don't know where Ocala is. Oh, well, okay. It's in the north central part of Florida. Okay. It's an hour and a half from Orlando. If you don't take a three and a half hour group shuttle like I did. <laughs> exactly. If you don't do that. So, and yes, uh, it's um, very central uh, in the state and, and north. And... Um, and it's a small, it's a, a community called, um, I, I wanna say Grand Palms. Grand Palms is a community in, in Pembroke Pines. This is Stone Creek. Yes. And um, and it was at the time- So at this point you're fully retired. Fully retired. So then I decided that I wanted to make a contribution uh, to the community in which I lived. So I started three different organizations. The one I'm proudest of is Culture Vultures. Because and where, what was the inspiration for the name? Oh, I was in a group called Culture Vultures in Pembroke Pines. Oh, okay. And it, it was- They needed a branch here. Yes. And that's what I intended it to be, but it turned out to be much more than that. It was different, but it was the same idea. So I, I it's not my name. It was started by someone down there in Pembroke Pines, but it turned out completely different. It was that the, the vision was- to support and promote arts and culture in Ocala. And really for such a small city, it's amazing what we have here. We have a symphony orchestra that's fabulous. We have a, a regional playhouse that's wonderful. 
we have a kingdom of the sun band we have all kinds of things so i i started that i raised uh enough money to buy a yamaha grand piano uh, that we donated to the um community that's that's in our ballroom to this day and we had a um 500 person concert in which i brought my daughter to sing and not my mom no, no, my daughter sent my daughter. I have a different daughter. My daughter my Kim, right? She is the, a a a, a uh, cantor and a an opera singer and a concertist, and she came and did many concerts down here, and uh, so we gave the we gave the piano to the community. We helped contribute to the garden, the reflection garden. We helped uh, with. Uh, one of the things in Ocala is, is uh, the painted horses. They're all over town. We helped buy a painted horse out for outside of, of, of the, re, um, the reunion center. Um, then we helped contribute to the Riley Center, which was a magnificent it really is a wonderful place. And uh, which, what do they do there? It's they, a it, performance venue? It, yes, it's a performance venue. They have uh, symphony orchestras. They've had, I saw Petula Clark there. They bring in all kinds of first class entertainment, and it's a really great venue. And uh, we are on the, uh, we are founding members because we raised enough money. We also adopted the high school down the street from us which is the High School of Performing Arts. And we raised many thousands of dollars for them for their um, drama department. And we used to have them here for dinner playhouses every month, every year, and raised quite a bit of money there. We, um, we brought the Cornell University- Like from New York. From New York. They, they were on a bus tour of the country. We brought them here to perform concerts. And I got, people in the community to give them housing. They slept in their houses. Oh, and that's they, fun. Oh, yes. And then we had a big picnic for all of them for dinner, you know, and then they did the concert and left for the next day. Very charming kids. I also started um, the Glee Club, and we performed uh, all over in nursing homes and um, um, assisted living communities. And I started a music ensemble which would play every week in the on the piano that we donated and you know and with any musicians that wanted to join us so um i've gone way outside the community i'm well known in the community for all the things that i've done and one of the things that i'm proudest of although i didn't win i was nominated for the vision award uh, for the Miami Cultural Alliance with, uh, not, not Miami, Ocala, Marion County mm -hmm. Cultural Alliance, uh, which they give every year. And it was a big honor. And they put my picture on stage and they whatever, and it was great. So anyway, uh, I, I veered off and I didn't say that I also belong to the theater club. And in the theater club, I've had the, the good fortune of being in a very, a lot of different plays, uh, both for the community and outside the community. I've been on stage twice at the Riley Center, which is really a big deal. You know, there it's, it, it seats, I think, uh, I don't know, about a thousand people. Uh, I was in Vagina Monologues twice and we raised money to give to the Pace Center for girls. Um, I uh, 
And finally, this year, I got to be on last year. Well, not last year. Before the pandemic, I got to be on stage at the Ocala Civic Theater in the Savannah Sipping Society, okay. which was wonderful. I have coached uh, young people in their drama departments uh, when they put on plays. One of them was uh, Peter Pan. I've belonged to an online production company when I've done directing. I directed... Uh, love letters, and I, I was assistant director for um, uh, Irma Bumbeck. Um, I really, I, I love this new career as much. And you're in a more. movie, right? I was in a movie. movie yes, yeah. I almost forgot the movie. It's called Elvis and the Golden Ticket, and it played in uh, film festivals all around the country. And because of that movie, the person who wrote and directed it. It has a full-time gig in Hollywood and That's he's great. filming movies now and he's a good friend of mine. Yeah. So I that was that was fun too. I you you're reminding me of things that yeah. I don't even remember. Okay. So were you good at acting at the start or did you have to Oh, I've worked very hard at it. I think I'm I'm I think I'm a natural for certain entertainer. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the spotlight. I always have, and I do my best. I put a lot of heart and soul in it. For example, you had a rehearsal today. I had a rehearsal today. I'm in a uh, well, we haven't the, the theater group has, like everything else, has been inactive for a year and a half. Yeah. So this is our first venture back, and we're doing five short plays, one act short plays. Uh, for our first venture back, and we're going to be doing it in July. So I'm acting in one, and I'm directing one. So and my and Larry, it, you're, uh, it's also acting in one. Um, but I was going to tell you that years ago, it wasn't that many years ago, but years ago, I was in a play called Tea for Three, and I played Lady Bird Johnson, and I had a 40-minute monologue in that play. And I memorized it all. I wanted to work very, very hard, but I did it. So long monologue. Yeah, very long. And I'm even thinking of doing one in the future, but I know that I can't memorize it. I'm going to need a teleprompter. For 40 and, minutes. Yeah. yeah. And I and I I'm familiar with the teleprompters because some of the people that I coached use teleprompters because I, I organized their um, annual shareholders meetings and things mm -hmm. like that where they had to make really important speeches and they used and they used the teleprompter uh, as a matter of fact one of the companies that i'm very proud of having done a lot with is tail the uh, sportswear company okay um and i did a lot of their annual meetings i work with the, with the president almost every time i work with the president or the ceo of the company and plus employees under them but but always with the the, the top people mm -hmm. and that and that's why they use things like teleprompters that makes sense yeah so we should switch now to some rapid fire questions since we're towards the end of the interview yes sir what was the most fun role as an actress well i guess the most fun role as an actress when it's when i never had to say a word I was very good friends with the director, uh, the executive director of the Ocala Civic Theater, and I had always wanted to be on that particular stage. And I'd never had the nerve to um, audition, mm -hmm. although she had come to some of my performances and encouraged me. 
because it's on the other side of town and I don't drive at night. And it's only because I have so many wonderful friends. They offered to not only drive me to audition, but to every rehearsal and every performance. And we're talking like 60 times back and forth. Oh my forth. goodness. I'm, they did that. And it was absolutely hysterical. I had a role where I didn't say one word. All I had to really do is die on stage every single night. And, and one time when I died on stage, when I was supposed to, you know, I, I had a cane, I was supposed to bang the cane and I look, look angry and this and that and the other thing, and then fall backward. And my hat was supposed to fall over my eyes so that the people who were looking to see if I was dead could pick it up and say, oh, yes, she's dead. Yeah. Okay. So one day I fell and the hat didn't fall, it didn't fall over my eyes. And I forgot and I, I pulled it down. So I'll never forget. It was so embarrassing because, of course, if you're dead, you can't put thing over your eyes. So that was fun. It was really fun. And I guess my my most accomplished one was the one where I did the 40-minute monologue. Yeah. That was very, very challenging. And I was very proud of myself. And everybody, I, I was in all the newspapers and I, I and everybody, all my friends came out to see it. It was three different That's days. Intense. It was very intense and I loved it. Yeah. A 40-minute monologue. So we've been going for <laughs> about... 40 minutes have we roughly mm -hmm. so that's the same as you being prepared with every word for this entire time exactly with nobody to get have any no, feedback no. no bouncing back and move and not only that so See, it's one, choreographed yes you have to it's the blocking the moving and the and the props you have to do it all yourself you know look in the mirror do this do that way uh, handle a telephone you know so it's all all of that it's it's challenging, but it's so much fun, mm -hmm. and I love it so much. Of course, I love the other thing that I really loved is when I did the first vagina monologues. Two of my children flew in to see that, um, my oldest and my second one. They flew in to see me in that, and there is a picture of them watching me on stage with their mouths like this gaping open gaping only because they couldn't believe what they were hearing and seeing they didn't know raunchy. that their mother yeah. it was raunchy and they didn't believe that their mother <laughs> well i mean they just never saw me like that and also i want to tell you that your mother has come to almost everything that i've done and every time she comes it's just so wonderful and she came for the movie premiere too and i think the guy that that, that wrote the movie and 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 um uh, directed it, it kind of had a crush on her. Well, that's not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So I have a question that a lot of people in my generation are obsessed with the idea of early retirement, like retiring early. Uh, what do you think about that? Like people that try to, you know, get rich and retire by 30 or retire by 40 or retire by 50 or 35. What do you think about early retirement? I think that one should never retire. Mm -hmm. That does not mean that you shouldn't have enough money to relax and enjoy yourself. But retirement for me is the freedom to do what you want to do, what you enjoy, but you should always do something. I mean, 
and this could be off the record or on the record. One of the reasons I divorced my first husband mm -hmm. is because he retired early and all he wanted to do was lie out in the sun and get, and he got skin cancers. And I thought, what a waste. Mm -hmm. He's a brilliant person. I don't, I'm not ready to, re I'm never going to be ready to retire unless I were old and sick. And although my age may show that I'm old, mm -hmm. I'm really not old. I'm a very young per soul inside. That's the next question. We'll get there in a minute. We'll get there <laughs> I in a know, minute. but I never want to retire. I want to reinvent myself for e every stage mm -hmm. and age of my life. And I, I wish, I hope, and I wish this for you, that you make a million dollars and retire at 30, mm -hmm. but then do other things mm -hmm. that keep busy and active and to make you proud, improve your world, mm -hmm. your community, your environment, uh, do things that make you proud to be a human being. Mm -hmm. There's so much out there. I have never been bored in my whole life. Never. There's no way to be bored. There's so much to see, I agree. so much to do, so much to read. There is just, life is exciting. I mean, my favorite, if you ask me to describe myself in one word, the word would be enthusiasm. I love life. Yeah. <laughs> love that. So you just mentioned that you're old, but you're not old. Yes. How have you stayed so young and energetic and sharp? Because people probably wouldn't be able to guess how old you are unless they've been doing the, you've given the clues. You said you graduated high school <laughs> in 16 and right. they gave the number. But... Yes. Well, partially it's, Heredity. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I guess I have good, good genes, although the truth is my father passed away at 54 mm -hmm. and I outlived my mother already and my grandmother. So, okay, I have. I, genes I do, only get you so far. Your yeah. genes only get you so far, although I did have a grandfather that lived to be 94. But also a good attitude, a wonderful attitude. I mean, a smile on my face and I can't wait to get up and start the next day. But also, I eat very well. I'm very careful about what I eat, and I work out every day. I do something. I walk. I go to the gym. I swim. Mm -hmm. I do something to keep myself sharp, and the same thing with my, with my brain. I mean, I'm the president of the book club uh, here at Stone Creek. It's one of the things I like to do is to read. Uh, I have lots of hobbies, and I have lots of friends, and lots of things I'm interested in. And one of the things I really love is to juggle. I like to juggle stuff, you know, like I have to be here and I have to be there and I have to do this yes, and I yeah. have to be ready for that, and, Busy. Yeah. you know, and that's what keeps me that way. You know, there's an expression, use it or lose it. Yeah. So I'm using it. And I, there's a quote, I don't know if I'll get it exactly that's right, okay. but I want to be thoroughly used up when I die. Thoroughly used up. I don't want there to be anything left, you know, mm -hmm. and I want to slide into that last state kicking and screaming and laughing. That's what I want to do. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, so what is a book you'd recommend to anyone or to young people specifically? Because you are president of the book club and you've probably read <laughs> many books. I have. And, I, and, and you're not limited to just one if more than one comes to No, mind. actually, actually, I do enjoy reading and I can't. But that one that I talked about before, the What Color Is Your Parachute? Mm -hmm. Is that is still a, relevant or is it old school? I think it's still relevant. There may be other iterations right. of it on, on, along the same line, but to figure out as early as you can what you love to do 
and what you're good at and figure out how to get paid for it. I really think that's a secret. It's a key. It's a key. I mean, most of the things I read now are just entertainment. I mean, I, I just like to read and I get thoroughly engrossed in every story. I'm reading right now, The Lions of Fifth Avenue. It's very interesting. I may not remember it when I put it down. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Stuff that and such an important book. And I'm, I'm, I wish I could come up with some really words of wisdom about the books that I've read. Now, and there've been many of them. Oh yeah. But I can't. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. But but this we got one, one. We got this one. one for a young person is a really good one. Yeah. Okay. Next question is dogs versus cats. Let me just say this. I And that's another thing. I am a, a, a member of PALS, which is the Pets and Animal Lovers Society here at Stone Creek. I love all animals, including horses. And we have this world of credit. We're checking it out tomorrow. That we're checking out tomorrow, and I can't wait to take you. I love all animals, and I've always had dogs, more dogs than cats. But, and, That's right. And, yeah. Yes, and I love dogs. But there comes a time when it's a little easier to take care of cats than it is dogs because they don't need to be walked. And they're easier to get babysitters for if you travel. One thing I didn't mention in this whole thing that we've done. Well, we're not done. So. Oh, I know. Is my family. Mm -hmm. I mean, my family is magnificent. They are, each one of them is a precious gem. And if I never did anything else in my life but have them and all of the, and, and, and what they've gone on to to be and, and to produce, it would be enough because they are, they're wonderful. So my biggest goal in life is to go and visit them and be with them and, mm -hmm. you know, have time with them. And it's very hard to leave a dog. It's yes. easier to leave a cat and get to get a babysitter for and so on. So these cats have been very chill and, <laughs> I, and I don't necessarily like cats. No. They, they're cool. They are very cool. They, they, well, they think they're dogs because the poodle that we had, mm -hmm. He lived to be 15. He trained all the cats to be dogs. They he, they loved each other. And he, I mean, they come to the door when you <laughs> come home. They, they you know, they, they, they're just more like dogs than cats. I like them all, dogs and cats. I love your three dogs. They're great. They are. People in the, who've listened to many podcast episodes have probably heard a little bit from them <laughs> in the background. Yes. We try to minimize it, though. Okay. Well, okay. Your cats have behaved during this interview, so that's been They nice. have behaved very powerful. nicely. Yeah, well, they're not as noisy as, although one of them has a, a very big vocabulary. He really he does. does. Oh, he does. He talks. He's got a different meow for every single thing he wants. He's a big cat. Yes. It looks like he belongs in the zoo. Okay, I had what color is your parachute, but we've already, that was just a note to myself. Okay. So we're coming up towards the end. What is some last wisdom and or something you'd want your kids or grandkids to know or think about? It's very open-ended. I know that. I know that. And it's a very good question. A very good question. It is that life is a precious gift. Make the most of every single day because you never know when the mm -hmm. when your last day will come. I mean, you, you never know. And you don't want to waste it. I mean, it's a gift. And and I believe in God. Mm -hmm. I 
I believe that there's a greater, and I believe that you don't die, that there's a soul and that that soul lives on. Mm -hmm. But the body that you've been given yeah, you know, wears out, up. gets used up and, and wears out. But appreciate everything that you have. Appreciation is a very important thing. Appreciate it, celebrate it, tell people that you love, that you love mm -hmm. them. Be kind um, and caring. I think I was a fairly selfish person when I was young. Mm -hmm. And as I've got, gotten older, maybe I've mellowed, but I try to look out for my friends. Um, celebrate and enjoy every day. I think that's a great way to wrap this up. Thank you. This has been fun. It's been fun for me. It's been wonderful for me. Let me just say, and again, I, you, you can cut it out if you don't want to use it, but I will say it anyway. You, my grandson, That's my me. very, very precious grandson, have given me the gift of a lifetime. Not just to do this podcast, but to care enough to ask me these questions and to really be interested. It has... It's going to make me cry. I didn't mean to do that. But it, I appreciate it very You're much. Welcome. And I admire your, your intelligence and your warmth and your caring and the fact that you are allowing me to leave a legacy for my family that if even no one else ever gets to see or hear this, the fact that if they want to, they can. Mm -hmm. That wraps up the conversation I had with my grandma, Rita Singer. I hope you enjoyed that episode. We had a lot of fun recording it. We will be publishing another episode in a week or so back to the normal cadence, but I hope you enjoyed that experiment. If you have any thoughts on the matter, say hey on social media, leave a rating or review if you liked it, and otherwise just check back here in a week or so for a new episode. Thanks so much. See ya.